Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't want to do that that sign on. Okay. You just okay. need to record some music. Yeah, I'll record some music and I'll do it. It's going to be really cheesy. Oh. So for anybody listening to you right now, I hope that this that the music I played that I'm going to make in the future is okay. I'm willing to change it, but I'm also not. So we'll see how it goes. I'm very volatile that way. <laughs> Thanks for coming to SD uh, Innovation for the Future podcast. Every time. Uh, we have here Brooklyn Wetzel. Yes. And will you like to tell us who you are to the so, audience? Who am I? Who is I recently had to do a little bio and then I was like, I, I, feel like, I felt like I forgot who I was and what I was about. <laughs> I was like, what are my interests anyway? They changed so much. Um, so I kind of, I consider myself now a lifelong unschooler, but in the 1998, I was just a dropout <laughs> that had read some, um, you know, had read Grace Llewellyn's book, Teenage Liberation Handbook, and was quite dismayed at the quality of the and engagement in the education I was receiving. So I kind of just abandoned that and went on my own path of creativity and business and life. And then I became a parent and I kind of just automatically, I, you know, I was a young and low income and kind of just was like, well, what do you, you put your kids in head start? And you, you know, you just start out this process. And in my mind, because of my experience, self-directed education was kind of more for rare for teenagers and things like that and I didn't realize even that there was was youth younger kid self-directed education but anyway my um my young my oldest kid didn't fit into public school and it was really easy for me to find um go back and find those resources and discover the unschooling community and the self-directed education community. And I was very lucky that life circumstance kind of put me in the same valley as um, Glacier Lake School, which was, and, and I was able to join them in the first few, three years of, that, of building their community and their school. And then I moved to Oregon, did an agile um, facilitator training and about six months of an agile model and a really short stint before the pandemic running of flying squads. So I've kind of been all over the um, self-directed mo- like education world. And I very much believe in youth autonomy and self-directed models, all of them. <laughs> so that's me. Cool. That would... like... Go ahead. No, I was just wondering where you are now. I'm in uh... Eugene, Oregon. And... Okay. Yeah, I facilitate for like an SDAE aligned group, learn online group. So cool, cool. Vida, I like when you start things out. I'm, now I'm like, now I'm like nervous. You're nervous. <laughs> I guess I said it out loud. Yeah. Um, so Brooklyn posted, and I don't remember exactly what you said. It was a while back, but something about being in favor of SDE models that keeps keep adults in check. Do you remember the more exact comment? Well, well, I remember. I know what I meant. <laughs> I don't know what I, I. I felt like after I said it, and your response was kind of like, "Wow, this is a much deeper, more nuanced." Um, conversation than I could make at that point online right and so I realized that kind of right after I said it but I was just kind of like some models may keep adult power that's basically why I said it was like some models might keep adult power more in check um, just by this the way they're organized Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I meant at that moment and then I took it and I was like huh I don't actually think models can do that it depends on the adults like in the space and yeah hi baby um it depends on the adults in the space and how they're holding each other and themselves accountable for that um but i agree it's like very nuanced and layered so we just wanted to have you here to talk about it argue about it agree about it who knows (laughs) yeah but yeah um, so that's going to be our topic today. 
I don't know. Oops. I feel like we should, as I was imagining going into this conversation, mm -hmm. I was like, we should preface this with the, the, if that there isn't a judgment about it, if there is crit, like it's constructive criticism and not like, if it doesn't apply to you, then just, it doesn't apply to you. You know, I, I would want to make sure that, that even if I say something that seems critical of a certain model that that's not like critical of everyone or every school or you know center or whatever they're just kind of broad things to like think about and dissect that's a good point because we might dig deep into how some models operate or how models have operated in our experience with them mm -hmm. um there is the ALC say, saying that if you've been to one ALC you've been to one ALC <laughs> so we recognize that even within the like, there's frameworks that models tend to follow, there's also a ton of differences. So yeah, it's, yeah, exactly what you said. It's a really good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, it feels like certain models are going to facilitate more adult power in check. Um, but then everyone's different. So it's like a and both kind of situation. Um, yeah, I was just thinking more about like uh, the democratic kind of model that we have at BFS, um, how we have to contend with the fact that um, one, the adults have a lot of say just by speaking immediately, you can tell that kids are going to be like, yeah, yeah, that's true, you know, because they like us and stuff. And so we have to like, be aware of that. And the more aware of it, then the more you can like, keep your power in check. But not everyone's going to be aware the same way and uh that's what i find with democ democratic um systems uh yeah it's like i think it's so easy to speak louder than the rest and then convince and then the, the minority sort of gets shut down so you have to find other ways to um facilitate the those with the lesser vote uh to speak up in a way and so what we've done is like uh try to do more uh consensus based stuff but that takes longer and so and these are just i'm just talking about like trying to norm new rules you know because we take some parts of the alc model to i don't know how much of it and i have my like not issues with alc i just have like um uh when i first looked into it i was like oh my god it's like overwhelming just like you have to learn so much new language i guess about it but anyway that's that was my thought right now <laughs> i'm curious david what's the um what parts of the school like what does democracy mean in the free school model that you're in, that you participate in I, mean, I, I, I feel like that what i ask that only because what the kids have input on i think is like how has is an important conversation about yeah, much yeah. what democracy is happening both within the school and like within the like the staff or the like, uh -huh. organization we have to like really figure out what they can choose because at, it, it's a weird question because it's like yeah we we kind of like we have our own staff meetings and they're not involved with that or not involved in like choosing the next person who's going to be employed um uh, not choosing uh how the rooms are going to look like because and, and it's more like a, a practical sort of thing like it's too hard to involve everyone on this um and like to keep it running that's sort of like the way we're looking at it it's like how do we make sure that this is at least base level running and efficient enough that we can so, you know, obviously certain things are not going to be a part of. Um, and like Bria said, it really depends on the adults. So um, <laughs> how do we say that the last podcast were just a bunch of people or a group of people just doing a thing? So like, it's not going to be perfect. And there's definitely feelings where, or times when I feel like, damn, um, we should have taken a look at this situation more. And the more heads there are, more people thinking about it, the, easy, uh, the better the, the decision. But in that moment in time, it felt like the right decision as staff because we were the only ones involved. You know, they don't 
they don't come to staff meetings because you know it's outside of school hours and stuff and yeah and obviously with less people like we notice this when there's like two or three staff who are not around and we do a staff meeting like decisions get made real fast and that can be that can be you know uh sort of a a, a slippery slope you can get to too because mm -hmm. uh it's like oh you know we just made all these decisions and it's like we just got out of staff meeting faster but you know did we make the right ones so um yeah that's a part of it <laughs> that's um something i feel probably why i when i mentioned some models control adult power my experience personally with sudbury or the sudbury model school that i was in and there specifically didn't have sudbury in the name because there were aspects of the school that weren't um you know, just like the all the way conventional Sudbury model, right? We had some regular class offerings um, and some other just like random things that, that were different. You know, like at, at the original Sudbury school, for instance, there are no parent facilitators, right? So there, there's just another difference that in that school that I was in. If you're a parent, you can't be a facilitator. Is that what it is? I don't think, I don't, nah, no, not in like the Sudbury I don't know proper. much about it, but yeah. Yeah. And you're not really even encouraged to like come inside. You're just like drop your kids off at the fence, <laughs> like stay out of their business. Right. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciated um, the community governance aspect and mm -hmm. how much um, how much engagement that created now not everybody engaged with it all of the time but like opening up those doors and catering to those um catering like expecting and preparing for kids to be a part of like every decision was right. a really great experience just as i was coming into being a part of these centers because it gave me if I was questioning well, what I should do, I would just lean back on the school meeting. I think yeah. really particularly about this moment, um, there's like a three-story tree right outside of the, the house. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching this kid go up in the tree and he's going higher and higher and higher in the tree. And I was really nervous because I really wasn't sure how far up was appropriate uh -huh. for him to be climbing. And so, you know, he's getting like two and a half stories high in this tree. Right. Um, and because of the nature and the, the process of the school and the organization of the school, even though I was really uncomfortable, I just had to like say I was just down there. OK, well, I'm going to get on the I'm going to go right down on the list that we need to discuss if there's any rules around <laughs> tree climbing. And then we did, you know, and then it was like, oh, we get to a school meeting that week. And I was like, OK, well, Bubba was up in the tree really high. And now what? Um, and we made agreements um, and, the, you know, rules in February around those and creating the the real hang up that I mostly hear. And, and I around the and it is annoying, like creating rules and then instituting them is not fun. And so I think that that's like the desire to move away from just conventional um, rule making and rule attending. Yeah. And that's yeah. why actually I was drawn to agile. That's why I was like, ooh, let's try yeah. something different that changes it up a bit. Right. Yeah, it's definitely I feel like where when I first came into VFS, it was definitely, you know, what rules are we going to make? And there's like a rule book and, you know, like follow that. And um, I think Kathy, one of the facilitators, she attended an agile training thing. And I, I mean, we all just kind of moved into this, like, we don't want to be cops to other people, you know, like, uh, or we don't want to like, keep like enforcing rules how do we like move towards a more fluid sort of norming of agreements or whatever um and i felt like we were really on this new path um of finding new ways but then covid came and so things started to um we had to be a little bit more 
I don't know. We just had to make decisions to keep the school open. But um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I think, yeah, I don't know exactly what I was going to say about that, but yeah, the rule is, the rule tending is uh, really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Right, like right now we have a, uh, an agreement to do not screens on certain days. And we always are like, you know, this is what we agreed upon. And, you know, no, certain kids aren't going to follow it. And it's like, okay, so what do we need to change up? Do we need to change up our attitude about it? Uh, you know, because with screens, it's so hard because, like, I feel like everyone's at a different place with them. And, and so it's just not an easy answer. And I feel like we as a staff, sometimes I, uh, I feel like we're at the mercy of, a lot of anxiety from parents who are just like, I feel really strongly about this or them being this, you know, this involved with screens. It's like, yeah, I get that too. And also I don't want to like impose myself and be an adultist in this way, you know, but also I care about their health and safety. You know, what are they looking at? And just a lot. <laughs> I remember a staff member at a Sudbury style school told me once that they didn't feel like they ever had to impose a rule because they knew that the model held that for them and that there was a way for people to bring up conflict or breaching of boundaries or like whatever. They knew that the kids could bring that up and the kids could solve it because this model had that in place for them. So as an adult, they felt it freed them from being the cop. Um, which sounded lovely and amazing. <laughs> In practice, I also know that a lot of Sudbury's are moving away from like JCs and um, things like that because it's really punitive. So it's like, does it free you from it because you know the kids are going to go punish each other later? Like that's a different question. Or does it free you from it because the community is like holding it so it doesn't have to only be held by adult staff members? Mm -hmm. And if you can attain that through a model and the model supports that. I think that's really great because I think a lot of this is just us adults being like, we have to be the ones to uphold this. We have to be the ones to make sure everyone's safe. We have to protect everyone from X. So if we can like free ourselves from that mindset somehow, then we're able to change the power dynamics. Yeah. And that's kind of like, why I think that it's might be easier for kids and, you know, American kids and American families specifically to understand how the systems and institutions in Sudbury work. Whereas like, I feel like the, the way that like circles and, and uh, it's like high levels of emotional intelligence and like, that I'm not, I'm, I'm, I just think I don't actually trust that people are prepared always for, to model the, the things that they're saying that, that they're trying to create. Right. So it's not fun to enact like conventional models, but you might be able to do it well. So I'd rather like enact a like decent democracy, even in its poor like with its with all of the problems of that because that's a lesson unto itself that's another thing that I really got out of practicing democracy in a democratic school is it taught me a lot about how democracy fails right so I thought like oh this is good to experience young and then be and then also be like getting ready to be an engaged member of hopefully a democratic future right more direct democratic future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love, I think one of the things I like about the democratic process at the school is that it really helps with kids, like seeing where their voice is at, like, and figuring out that in order to change something, they should really say something. And uh, I like that. I like uh, that they get to see that and, and feel empowered too, because I wish I had that, like, I, Oh, I have a voice. Like I didn't know that to much later in life and um but to practice is like yeah to practice it is so important yeah also the problem with just stating that we'll see if this 
she lets me get through this. The problem with just stating that everyone has a voice, but then not thinking about like the inherent power dynamics and maybe fear of younger kids, not trusting that they really have a voice or not knowing how to bring it up. It's almost like, it's like, yeah, we have this policy. So therefore everyone has a voice, but you're not actually paying attention to how to make that happen. And I think it's easy to have it as this fallback, like, oh no, everyone has a voice here, but people don't really, because it's more steps to it to make sure kids really feel safe or even, you know, BIPOC folks feel safe. People who aren't represented feel safe. There's more steps than just saying you have a voice here. Yeah, I definitely feel that. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think about certain kids who are, I know they vote no on certain things and it's like, we try to go up to them and be like, all right, but you know, you, you could change this later and also come to student couch, which is a, a council that the students run. They talk about decisions. Um, and, um, but they still seem afraid to. And I think sometimes I feel like, oh man, how do we get through to them? Like they do have, and like, maybe you have some good ideas. And again, it reminds me of like, it's, um, you don't know, we don't know what they're dealing with at home. You know, it's like, that also is a huge thing. And that's why we've changed up ways that like, we now explicitly state um, with parents that they, sh in order for this to work, they have to participate, you know, with, with us, uh, where they can't just like drop them off at the gate because uh, they're, what they're dealing with at home is going to impact how they're, you know, dealing things here. So yeah that's just been a, in what way do you want them to engage uh you know like basically have a dialogue with us uh we're trying to make it so we communicate what's going on at the school with them and for them to like really i don't know buy into what we're doing because i feel like sometimes um with not buy-in and they sort of see as a service and, and whatever they're saying at home is not the same with here and have a conversation, be in community with us, like actually like do things with us, I guess, you know, uh, come in to the school, uh, you know, see what it's like. And, and um, that's, that's, I guess that's one way. I'm sure there's more that I'm not getting. I think that's very generous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Because I, I, I like, I don't know how big your community is, but it's so hard to maintain a kid centered space. And I know that like we in the co-op ALC that we were in, there was like all their parents would just, there was certain people that were supposed to be there doing facilitation that mm -hmm. had taken the training, but there was all kinds of parents just there. Yeah. And the way that their kids behaved when they were it's like totally different than when mm -hmm. how they behave on their own and especially when it comes like if you're if the kids are homeschooled a lot then that's even more particularly not used to being like separate from their parents or their family so their behavior is a lot different and so i feel like it takes a while to build a sense of self outside of your family unit and that's kind mm -hmm. of like what i like I'm trying to hold as a self-directed learning space. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm just saying that like, I'm very hesitant actually to be like, oh, bring, you know, parents come in and engage with the community because how, like how, how is that serving it being a kid space, mm -hmm. a kid centered space. And then, and then lots of parents around is, I just remember how my son was just like, there's so many adults everywhere. Like he couldn't, uh -huh. he felt like those eyes on him. And I, um, you know, I think it's hard as facilitators to let go of, you know, to be, to have different eyes so, right. so, and create that trust so that you are not an imposing presence. Mm -hmm. So that was just my thoughts. I've no I mean, idea. it's not like I don't want, I want parents to engage with the model and to know mm -hmm. what we're doing and be and buy in and all of that. Definitely, it doesn't feel like there. there's this overwhelming sense of, of too many adults coming into the space, so that feels good, I guess. Um, I, I have had that thought. It's like, are we being too generous? So like, I sometimes want to be like, separate, you know? It's like, this should only be a kid's space and, and you know, the less the influence of the parent. But 
uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I envision more of a, uh, to me, I think about how communities used to be and how there was a mixture of adults and kids a lot. I think what I'm trying to keep away is this, like, the capitalistic tendencies, the authoritarian or the other stuff. But obviously, the parents are going to bring that stuff in because it's, we live in the society. So, but I like maybe in a more, and I don't know, maybe we this we as a staff are just willing to get really messy with it. And it does in the end, like, get to be a lot for us. It's like, mm-hmm. um, I think we had that conversation with Anthony Galloway. Uh, that's like, you know, the big, the worst, or not the worst, but the, the, the thing we have to deal with the most or, or the most difficult is the parents, you know? So mm-hmm. when you think about a space like this, and I know probably we're getting off, a little bit off topic, but it's like, uh, how, how involved do you want to be with the parents? Because that can definitely. Well, that's sort of the, that's it is important in the conversation about adult power, because as facilitators, mm-hmm. like the, if a parent has an issue with how things are going and they want you to like be the the bearer of the power, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? they, yeah. like, they have an idea about how things should be going somehow like you know socially or whatever yeah. within the center and then it and it's like you're you're the barrier between the community and that and then you have to navigate those things so i think that that pressure is like is i think that leads to a lot of burnout yeah you know? and that's why you're like i want engagement but not necessarily like i'm nervous like you can see yeah. both, they're both sides like you want engagement but like the right kind or kinds that don't make you feel like extra pressure mm-hmm. as a facilitator to behave some specific way or make it like more comfortable for them somehow and that's again kind of like if help the system whatever the system is that you set up as an adult like if it's the Sudbury mo- style model or you know, an agile model or some hybrid model that you've created, whatever it is, I just, I feel like it's most important just to make sure that you, that you, that it, you know how it works. It's really clear that everybody involved, both on the adult and the kid side, mm-hmm. understand how the systems work and know how to engage them. Yes. I, and I know Bria wants to talk. And I just want to say one little part. Uh, I, I think what we do in particular is like, as far as the rules of the schools or uh, the, the norms, you know, agreements is that only the student and staff are involved. And so the parents don't really have a say in that. Uh, so that's kind of how we try to keep some form of boundary. It's like, you know, cause otherwise we don't want all that anxiety to just creep up. Um, so that's one thing we do. I'm trying to think of like, we have like a, we have like a Venn diagram of how it works, like staff, all school students, council, and then outside of that as a community. And so the council is a very much like, those are made up of parents, but I feel like parents that are really bought in and understand what we're doing and understand all the, what's actually going on. And they have, it's like a, that's in itself. That's who we like talk to, to like help us through communicating with the rest of the community, meaning the other parents. So yes. and. I don't know what else. (laughs) I was just thinking back um, about the idea of parents involved or not involved. And it's interesting because for Flying Squad, most of the time, unless there's an accessibility issue, we have had a parent come with us because of that. Um, Most of the time it's a blanket, like, no, you may not come with us. Uh, And that's, I have a better spiel when I'm like saying it to people, but that's just what flying squad is. Like, this is a very protected day for young people to decide what they're doing and only have adults in the space that are like committed accomplices and are going to hold each other accountable. And that hopefully are giving a chance for the young people to hold them accountable and like building that trust takes a long time. But at the same time, I've had conversations with flying squad parents about like, SDE and trying to like get them on board when there's difficulties or answer their questions or, you know, 
helping their kids talk to them or asking their kids for permission to share what they've said to me if they do want that line of communication. You know, like I'm not, I'm never having conversations where I'm telling their parents what's going on unless they consent. So that's a big part of it. But like, there's a lot of communication with parents, but no, they cannot come to squad. And that's just a like flying squad. And that's just a, our flying squad thing. Um, I know other squads have parents coming all the time. That's fine for them. They've made it kind of a co-op. But that line is there. But at the same time, we are still asking the parents to like engage with us, talk to us, work through conflicts with us. I was thinking more of like um, how I think, because I'm a person of color and I'm like indigenous to, you know, Central America. And I guess that's why I envision like a more closer knit community. Like maybe I'm comfortable with wanting to engage with parents. But I think what I've realized is that I want to engage with more black and brown parents. They're to me easier to deal with. I feel like there's a communication where I feel like where there's more understanding or even if they're not bought in right away, I feel like I can not get to them but or just there's an understanding um because i think black and brown people tend to rely on their communities more than the institutions because the institutions fail them more and so it's the white parents that i have the hardest time with and it's not just race it's just i feel like there's this disconnect with like they can trust the institutions and and I know that I, uh, growing up, we couldn't, or it, they were in, in direct conflict with my with my community. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought of that too, and and part of the reason why maybe I feel like, I mean, I think it's really important we should bring more people of color into what we're doing, because I think it's, I think it's kind of like what a I don't know who said it, but it's like. Uh, it's like we we had this first or something like that. I can't remember. Um, you know, so when you said that, I, I was just reminded about some thoughts I've had about a um, Glacier Lake was on the Salish Kootenai Reservation in Montana, and um, I worked for an indigenous language company and a game development company there. Um, I have Indigenous heritage in Montana and Northern Canada in Canada as well, but um, different communities kind of, I think different models might be better for different communities for different reasons like that, right? Like mm -hmm. re recreating um, conventional European democracy on the reservation is like, you know, could be questionable. There could be other ways to engage with that community. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't imagine that any of the models actually would be like, I wouldn't bring those to any indigenous community or reservation and say, Hey, like, this is how you should, you should set up some free schools and do it this way. Right. As I don't think it would work and I don't think it would be what they need. Um, and in that way, I feel like we could all support like kids liberation by realizing that different that all of these models would different for different communities and that if we like supported more like a letting go of what's right and wrong about different models or different ways of doing things and even like became more active in our public in the public or community about those things mm -hmm. that we would liberate more kids from the constraints of like schoolishness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going because this these thoughts kind of get really meta with like whether or not like the whole school system and what we're supporting as SDE facilitators and SDE centers, because there it's like a really small percentage of kids who are having this experience and adults who are having this experience. And, you know, I I'm really inspired by that um, Carol Black, the YouTube talk that Carol Black did about, you know, kind of a school that or a school building that had a bunch of different centers happening in them and different kids doing different things there like mm -hmm. i feel like that's how like deconstructing adult power is kind of about 
letting go of the idea that there is one way, right? Or just like letting go of a lot of our own um, need for success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk, David? Should I talk? No, I'm good. I'm just having so many thoughts right now, but I can't. Okay. I'll say yeah. one and then maybe you can pick <laughs> pick yours out. Um, that is the other thing I run into with models is that I think most adults went to school and have all this schoolishness in them and then get so attached to the model. They're like, oh, I'm doing this thing from this model and it has to be done this way and I can't throw it out or I can't do it a different way because I'm following this model. It's like you get in this schoolish mindset about a SDE, like unschooling model. And that's not the point in my mind of a model. A model is like a framework to support you and then like throw it out, change it up. Like throw a wrench in it. What? Throw, throw a wrench in it. Yeah, yeah. Make it work for the kids in front of you. Ask the kids in front of you if they don't even want to do that thing that day. Like who cares is the point like where I get with these mm-hmm. things. You don't need to do Sorry, I'm going to pick something random from a model spawn point every single morning. That's an ALC thing. You don't need to do that if that's not working for the kids in front of you, if it's not working for you. But it is kind of this, like, how do we create guidelines and framework to support you, but not constrain you? And I think we just adults get so stuck in this schoolish mindset of like following the model. We can't work outside of it and just look at the community in front of us. I'm I'm immediately reminded of this thing we did was a um, mediation form and it worked for like two to three weeks and people would sign, you know, it was anonymous. It can like write it out or, or have someone help them write it out. And then immediately it was just abandoned because I think people got used to just wanting to talk to each other and just didn't need really the anonymity. And so we haven't brought it back and might come back forms. And then we'll take it away. It's like, these are just tools to help us speak. And then once we learn how to speak in this different way, we don't need them no more, but they're always there if we need them again. Um, So, yeah. One thing that I wrote down that's relevant to this word is like, sometimes I, like, what is important for kids? What, where, why are kids wanting to be in the space? And there's two parts of this one, not a there very few kids even have a choice in the self-directed center. Like some, lots of kids are put into different centers and different situations, not necessarily like their choice, right? Like they weren't asked, do you want to homeschool or you want to go to a center? They're just like, their parents have made a philosophical choice and they're there. And there's other kids who are maybe have, are there by choice. So there's that. And, but I feel like what kids really want out of a space is just to be around other kids. Like that's what kids really want. 100 percent. And then that's what why we kind of lose kids when they become teens and they want to access bigger groups of kids. Wait, that's not just our problem. That's your problem, too. Literally, everyone. I've been been trying to tell everyone. Everyone has this problem. I know. Just (laughs) I feel like it's like like other people have figured it out. What's wrong with us? But no, sorry, I interrupted. No, it's fine. I'm going to say that on every podcast now. No one has figured it out. Everyone is still trying. Did you have more to say, Brooklyn? Oh, no, just that. I think that, I mean, most of what my family wants as far as like accessing a center is just to be able to access other kids. And I and I wish it was one of the more frustrating parts is that they're, that even when we access a group, it's a really small group and often it's a privileged group. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that that is kind of stop. I don't know. It's a challenge for us as a family, just because I, because I'm not, I mean, we were even willing at one, when, when we got into the second to the agile center that we tried to be a part of, we were like, we want to be around kids so much. And we want all of these kids to want these parents to be willing to send their kids to this place. I would be like, you know, let's just not have computers at all. Let's not have screens at all. Like I, I was willing to just like, Let's just remove this really difficult thing because the because my kids can do screens all day long at home in a hundred different ways. And you know, us having access to screens at a center is not important. And we would go to a free center that had no screens ever 
just to be able to access kids, mm. like, just access kids, because that's what public school has on us. Yeah. <laughs> In a big way. Yeah, we lose kids that way. And I know. I know. Sorry. I thought I was going to say something, but I lost it immediately. Um, I think that's. I lost it because they're two conflicting thoughts. <laughs> um, the kids just wanting to be with kids is where I start to question like, oh, so do kids want to spend all their time like mediating for each other? Do kids want to spend their time looking at the school budget? Do kids want to spend their time hiring staff? Like maybe they shouldn't be locked out of certain things, but also sometimes staff are there to do the things that no one wants to do. And that's why adults end up doing it is because they're paid staff and they're doing the things no one else wants to do. So it is like this balance of like, we can offer all of this and redistribute power, but also sometimes people just like kids just want to hang out with each other and they don't want to be part of all those details. And like, that has to be okay too. There'll definitely be a, like a small group of kids who will take leadership in those spaces. If you open them up, I don't Some think it's everybody don't balance budgets either. Like, <laughs> Let's just distribute amongst the people who want to take it regardless of age. I like that idea. I really like, if I find it's just really inspiring to see kids take leadership in these spaces like that. They become a school chair um, of a Sudbury school. For instance, um, a student that I like referred to a Sudbury school um, became like, is taking all of this leadership and I'm so excited for him. Um, what was I gonna say about, about that specifically? I was thinking uh, like, oh, what are we doing to open up those? And I think what so far we've said, like council is open to anyone, any student can come in and just help us figure this out. Uh, so far, very little have wanted to do. And um, I, you know, I've only been doing this for about four years anyway. So <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm looking at things uh, from a very limited lens and I'm hoping to know more, like see things change. I'm definitely learning a lot more. So I'm still, I'm still baby. <laughs> I know one of the things like, I just wanted to, why I might have said, or still kind of think that Sudbury or Sudbury style models could be easier for American adults to like dig into. Mm -hmm. And then to get become frustrated with democracy and have like epiphanies about it, you know, <laughs> I just think it, it's a good practice to try to do this thing that you're supposed to be doing and see how, because if you can really see being a part of a democratic, like a rep, like Sudbury's are kind of representative democracies, right? Mm. Even though they're a lot more direct than the representative democracy we experience, like with our government, but that's how I see them. And I, I feel like it's you seeing how interacting with that and then seeing how it, that nothing about our democracy that we're sold really feels like even a even like a badly done Sudbury democracy. That's like kind of an, an epiphany <laughs> and, it, and it affected my kids perception of what democracy meant and how engaged it was and, you know, mm -hmm. who was being heard. And so and in an. I appreciate those lessons. I like that you're embracing that because I just get frustrated. I'm like, majority rules is bullshit. Why are we even trying this? What's the it's, point? Well, I mean, have you looked at our own political spending? It's like, <laughs> I know. I, I just, yeah, it's like, yeah, even no. that is better, right? Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. It's like, oh man, we're so messy. That's okay. That's actually really okay. And that's that schoolishness part of it is like, we think it should be neat and orderly. And uh, clean and, and consistent, and it's like, but we're humans, and I'm messy as fuck. So, you know, and, and I was I don't know, I was on a walk. It's like all these people who we look up to, celebrities or people in power, like they're as messy, or if not more messy, because they're there, and it's like continually, like you know, 
reaffirms my belief like no person should have power over another and because you need people to be messy because once they have power they're going to be you know using that power against you or using that mess messiness to oppress you in some way i don't know exactly what i'm saying with that but um and that's the part with kind of in our notes and in my uh-huh. notes about here about adult like no matter the model an adult could has to work on their own selves to mm-hmm. be able to like op- be autonomous and offer like autonomous spaces for youth and you know i once saw a kid bring to a, a school meeting you know everybody needs to read like by a certain age you know and if you can't then you need to sign up for a class with me <laughs> and i will like tell you <laughs> and i'll help you figure this out because it's important to me and in that moment it's especially important for the adults not to have just been waiting for the moment that the kids propose everybody read and then jump on board that right and and i was impressed with the you know having to articulate that you know there has to be a core value around autonomy and freedom that can't be like changed by like any kind of democratic process and the adults have to always hold that so that I feel like no matter what your model, the core autonomy, freedom has to be like what you fall back on, your guiding light and whatever model that you can figure out that makes that an easy and clear path for everybody in your community is thumbs up, whatever path that is. Yeah. Part of me just feels like like I see models coming up. And I like that we're making new models, but it also feels like every model is trying to like improve on the last one. And that's not how any of this works. <laughs> I feel like we've said a bunch of times here, like we're humans, things are messy, things get thrown out, things get tried out and that's all okay. Like, and it's not going to be neat and orderly and we're not going to come to some solution. Like we're never going to come to the solution because that's not how humanity works. So pick your model, figure out what works for you in the community right then, but like, it's going to evolve and change. And if it doesn't, then you probably aren't doing it right. Like if things don't ever change, that's when for me, there's a flag or if the people aren't questioning themselves or each other and just like religiously adhering to this model as their way of doing things like that's a flag for me. I feel like this is also the experimental age of this, like, and that um, one of my favorite authors, Stephen Jenkinson, was talking about intentional communities and how as we're trying things out that are different than like, you know, conventional Western models, we're just experimenting and we don't really know what it's going to be like to be raised in those experiments and what kind of like mind and ideas people who've experienced who've grown up with what we've been experimenting with will come up with and those ideas will probably be better than ours isn't that so fun i'm excited that it's experimental it's also if you're looking from a schoolish lens you're like damn it i just want the answer do i have to live through the experiments but i think it can also be really fun yeah i think uh am i even on yeah Uh, (laughs) Again, I, I kind of go back to more um, how our communities used to live. Um, they were closer to the earth in many ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually, dependent on the earth, and were in tuned with the changes of how. And I mean, they they prescribed uh, personalities to uh, various things of earth. Uh, mountains and oceans and and how we're just ripped apart from that now because we are institutionalized and you know put into cubicle apartment building anyway i'm getting like really kind of weird here but um i didn't exactly sure what i was saying with that but i'm just like i think it would make more sense if we lived like we used to Mm -hmm. it would just like it, it, but right now we're just so separated from uh, where we're sanitized and, 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 and compartmentalized from the earth that this is why we're having a hard time with this in many ways. Um, anyway, that's 
now I'm back here on earth. <laughs> it's hard for it to feel right within the conditions we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's a hard reality and kind of a grief that I deconstruct and live a lot is that even solutions that we're like not, we don't have a culture community space that we're like digging like personally back to in our, you know, in, in, in these communities. Right. So we're, these experiments are kind of coming from a place of not knowing, and then also like kind of an underlying sickness that we're not addressing, mm -hmm. you know, in white supremacy and in this disconnection from earth. And it's those, um, it's no matter what we come up with, it's still going to have some of that stuff in it. Yeah. You know, like no matter what our good intentions are, when we're taking from a puddle that includes that stuff, no matter what we do right now, you know, and then and then we have to like figure out what to do with that muck at the same time as trying to do something different and just recognizing that and having grace for that and grief that we're not going to see, you know, like we'd like in our schoolishness to have it be right. You know, we'd like it to be like to feel great feel joyous, feel moral, like whatever. We'd like it all right now and we won't get it. Yeah. <laughs> like I just think it's kind of impossible. And that sitting with that, you know, kind of what I consider like the end of the world, you know, is something that we'd need to do individually and like as community as we address these things. And like just keep spaces for kids to be and just keep trying to hold these spaces for kids to be free and with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a feeling of relief <laughs> with the grief and sadness. Like, yeah, it isn't perfect and it can't be. And we're all holding all these intense things that you talked about. I don't know. It feel, it's a feeling of relief to me. Like, I don't have to be perfect. It's okay. Yeah. 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 You don't I have can't. to be perfect. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. For talking, like digging that this I, the idea out a little bit because you know it's not black and white and yeah I feel like we i'm so proud of everybody <laughs> who has like a self-directed <laughs> learning center every facilitator mm -hmm. i'm i'm so proud of everybody for pushing um kind of like the limits of our conventional consciousness right yeah yeah same same all right Looks like a good stopping point here. All right. It's oh. perfect. It's perfect. perfect. I had to say it out loud in order. To... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Uh, this has been SD Innovation for the Future. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Wow. This is a this is a rethinking self-directed education. Good job. You remember. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> bye bye all right